Hi, my name is Jack Bailey. Welcome to the Blue Line Report. Today we are interviewing Dave Leger. Hey, Dave. How's it going, Jack? I'm good. How are you? Good, good, good. Thank you. Good, good. to chat today. <laughs> yeah. So you've been a coach for many teams. What do you think, um, as a hockey player, what do you think a hockey player needs to do to set himself apart from the crowd? Yeah, that's a good question. Certainly in the way the game is played, Jack, I would say um, being a proficient skater. And that means being good on your edges, being able to change direct, straight out speed um, north to south. It's being able to uh, move. So, so skating, I think, is one of the, one of the areas that uh, distinguishes the player. I think as you work with the player individually, um, their ability to be coachable and self-motivated become uh, traits that distinguish themselves from, from other players that you see on the ice. Yeah. So you used to be a assistant coach for the Ottawa six, 67s of the OHL League. What was it like uh, being a coach at that league? Yeah, that was a brief experience. Um I had enjoyed it. It was at the time when the 67s had to relocate from the Civic Center. Um, so that particular year, um, we were practicing full-time at Leecher Marina, and the team had set up their operations there. Then the home games were at the Scotiabank place at the time. And uh, so it, it, it was a difficult transition for the 67s at that time because they were – you know, just graduating a, a bunch of players. I think Tyler Toffoli had just left, you know, the year before. I think their goaltender, Peter Mrazek, the year before. So there was a transition to the team, and uh, I, I was just a part of the coaching staff at the time. And I, I really enjoyed working with Chris Byrne and Misha Donskoff at that time. And, uh, you know, I had a, a kind of a minor role with the team. But it was a really good insight into how a major junior team, uh, you know, conducts its business I, I really enjoyed working with Chris that I had known for many years and it was a good education for me to be able to watch somebody else be in charge because to that point I had for the most part been you know in a role and uh, it, it was really good professional development from my standpoint to sit and watch us be communicators and you know, dealt with issues that arose uh, during the season. And it was fun for me just to have a front row seat to watch how that unfolded. Yeah. So the Ottawa 67s are now one of the top teams in the OHL League. How do you think they've handled uh, bringing up players and developing this team to be one of the top teams in one of the most competitive leagues in the world? Yeah, I think there are a lot of number, or a great deal of um, care made. <clears throat> excuse me, into, into doing just that, developing their individual players. And I think they reap the benefits for their collective play because, you know, their individual players are well-instructed. Um, I think the players all have a good understanding of what the culture of the team desires. And that culture has flown down from their general manager and the OSEG people. But I really think that their coaching staff has done a job to deliver you know, to the players, that message on a daily basis. Uh, I happen to have coached um, the two sons of Andre Tourigny, and I've known Andre Tourigny, you know, for a number of years. And he's an elite coach, and I know the way that he conducts himself, his players are always going to have a strong understanding of the culture and identity of their team. 
Yeah. Um, so you've coached in so many countries. You've coached obviously in Canada, but you've coached in Japan, Poland, and the States. What has been your favorite country to coach in? Hmm. That's a good question, Jack. I, I think all of them are different. Um, you know, uh, my coaching, you know, experiences have, um, have been varied and, uh, there's a deeper story probably to that, but I, I actually, I, I enjoyed my time in Japan. I'd never been to Asia in my life, and, and the team in Japan played in the Asian Hockey League, which had teams that played in Korea and teams that, uh, a team that was based in China. And I consider myself an Ottawa boy, and I never really got too far away from the West End of Ottawa growing up, and I hadn't seen the world. But I'll be really honest with you, it was... Uh, eye-opening experience to be able to you know spend a little bit of time in the downtown of uh, Tokyo uh certainly large cities like Seoul and Shanghai where I was you know were cities that I never would have seen um, had I stayed you know in the job that I was at uh with the University of Ottawa and so I, I've had opportunities in in Asia that was that was a great cultural experience I think I'm spending my time in, in Europe right now and and I mean Europe is also one of those uh you know, real um, special places to be able to visit and and tour around, and so I, I I think that I think Japan has been probably the you know the the most interesting coaching experience um, to date. But um, I, I've been really fortunate. I enjoyed my time in Poland, and um, you know, and I I spent some time in the United States. I enjoyed my time in those cities as well. Yeah, so you've you've obviously coached uh, quite a few places and uh, very impressive places. Um, how do you think the growth of hockey has um, come along in countries like that are in Asia compared to necessarily quote unquote hockey countries like Canada, the States, Sweden, Russia? Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, I think most Canadians would be surprised at the uh, extensive time that hockey's been part of a culture. In places like uh, Japan, it, it had been uh, there had been a Japanese professional league for over a hundred years. You know, by the time that I had arrived there, it was 2010 that I arrived there, and, and hockey was well entrenched. It, it was, you know, Jack. I I, w- I always equate hockey in different countries a little bit like soccer is in Canada. There's a little, and it's a growing culture of soccer players. There's a good number of elite soccer players in Canada. But it's a real niche group. So it's a smaller segment of the population that are uh, passionate and driven and want to be great soccer players in Canada. In Japan and some of these other countries, hockey is a bit of a niche sport in some of those countries. Football or soccer is the preeminent sport in most you know, European countries and Asian countries. So um, hockey is always like, going to be down on on the pecking order for sports but you know i think that uh, in japan they've had a long-standing tradition it's just a small group of people that are passionate and driven about the sport i think what has really contributed to the growth of the game over time uh, i think the world championships um are, are an experience that most countries have just grown and developed their game because of how their teams are expected to perform when they're on the big stage of the world championships. I think of countries like Latvia, you know, and 
uh, Ukraine and some of these countries that uh, look to see how um, you know the atmosphere is at the World Championships, and they just try to see that as a growth um, uh, instigator for them for the game of hockey in their countries. Yeah. So um, you used to be the coach for the um, University of Ottawa for quite a long time, uh, quite an impressive time uh, at that. And uh, what do you think separates U Sports from other professional leagues? Yeah, I, I I was very fortunate to first spend time as an assistant coach under Mickey Goulet, you know, at the University of Ottawa, and then and then I replaced him for one year as an interim head coach, and then I became the full time head coach for a number of years. Um, I loved the message that university sports had in Canada. I don't think I was ever confused by the fact that the players that I was coaching, they were motivated to come and continue to play a sport that they loved, and they wanted to make sure um, to fulfill their academic um, requirements. And I think, Jack, in in the bigger picture, what I always saw the point of university athletics was it was about building uh, leaders for communities after they graduated. Hockey has a great opportunity. Hockey has a great to um, bring out leadership and uh, um, you know I, I always thought you know as we recruited players from smaller towns in in um, different provinces that they would always go back to their hometown and take up a leadership role. So I, I always understood it wasn't about trying to create potential NHL players for Canadian university players. But I always looked at it as it was our responsibility to send players back to their community, you know, with the, with the necessary life skills and academic background and, you know, sporting opportunities where they could take on a leadership role in their city. And so there was many graduates from our program, you know, that had become now policemen, teachers, uh, physicians, uh, lawyers, they're, they're, there's those areas of Canadian university sports that are probably more important to celebrate. They're not as glamorous, but they are actually the true byproduct of a university sport athlete. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. Um, (laughs) So going back to our question, a few, our previous question, uh, we were talking about like the growth in of hockey and like different, countries that are not necessarily um like quote-unquote hockey countries how do you think um at uh, the 2018 winter olympics germany came uh won the silver medal uh in the men's hockey how do you think that like affected the uh, hockey in general well again i think for you know as i said there's there's uh there's a lot of countries that have been impacted by you know the the world championships and they've developed or they've they've invested a lot in their development programs and you know, like anything uh, if you take the analogy of a flower you, you you pour water on top of a seed and the seed takes a long time growing you don't ever really thousand years or for you know a good amount of time after the fact i think a lot of countries and and you know i would so jack you could even if you look back 15 and 20 years ago Countries like Finland and Sweden and, uh, you know, Germany, Switzerland, a lot of these countries, um, you know, they had just marginal results on the international stage. And 
a lot of those countries have invested over time to develop their programs in their own countries. And, and, you know, Finland's a really good example of a country that has won world championships at the men's, but also world juniors. Um, Sweden, you're probably too young to remember, but at one time they were just, um, you know, just a very, very average country internationally. So Germany, Switzerland, you know, it doesn't surprise me that they've had the success that they've had, but all of those countries have put time and effort into developing, you know, their their hockey programs at the youth level and their coaching and their ability to instruct and develop players. So that, that takes time. And some of those countries are going to reap the benefits in things like what you just described, the 2018 Olympics. So uh, who do you think your favorite player has been to coach? Hmm. That's a good question. That's a hard question, actually, Jack. I don't know that I have. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I've had so many different players at the university, you know, that I watched come in as as young players and then emerge, you know, four years later. There, there's a there's almost too many that I would uh, be able to mention. I I was lucky. Yeah, the sixty sevens. You know, Sean Monahan, Cody Cece, um, a player by the name of Tyler Grayevac. Um, they, they were good players. Nevin Guy, there was there was some really good players uh, at that point. In the university era, we've had some really good players. It'd be just disingenuous to mention one out of out of so many of them. So I'm sorry I'm not going to give you a... No, no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... When I had uh, the assistant general manager, uh, Jan Eggert, of the Auto 67s on, I asked him a question about what do you think is more important to go deep in a playoff run? A team with good character, a team that really meshes together well, or just a team of pure skill? So that's my question for you. 100% good character that works well together. I think that... um... I think, you know, I, I am one of those people that believe strongly in team first in all aspects. I think that uh, the more that you can get your group working as, you know, one unit, I think that's the challenge for every coach is to try and get everybody um, to be working for the same goal. And it's it's very easy to say those words, Jack, but it's very, it's the most complex part of coaching, I think, is to get everybody you know, sitting right on the same page. Hockey players, for the most part, are, um, you know, they've survived in the game when they're elite players because they've been able to prioritize their own game. And so there's a bit of a double-edged sword to it, uh, Jack, because, you know, for for somebody to focus so much on their own game and their own progress and development, there's a little bit of a selfishness that has to be present there. And, And you certainly have to have an ego... Uh, to be an elite hockey player. And that's not saying it's in a bad way. But the most simple way that I would describe it to you is that every every player has their own individual agenda. And getting the, the ability to mobilize and make that group work as, as one it is very complicated and, and complex to be able to accomplish. And so that's why... I would say if the, the more that you can get a group of people working together, it's far superior in the end than a collection of individually talented players. Yeah. Um, so 
have you has you seen as you seen uh at the top levels of hockey they've kind of been trying to edge out uh the enforcer role the like the the guy who's going to protect the star player the like the so-called like fighter guy how do you what do you how do you think what are your opinions on that how do you think it's going to affect the game of hockey when they eventually do just it just comes down to skill cuz the game has gotten so much faster in the last 10 years and just they've kind of edged out the enforcer role in top levels of hockey at least how do you think that's going to affect the game uh, um i mean i think that the game has dictated that uh, the players have to have a skill set to be able to play with pace and with some speed and so that you know that by its nature is going to uh, diminish opportunities for um uh, uh, players just have a single skill set. I, I think I think the, the demands on a player in this day and age, you have to have um, an ability to have elite speed to be able to think and make plays uh, at that same speed and to be able to have a necessary skill set to, to handle the puck when it's on your stick and to make plays. So I think I think the game has just demanded that the players that you have in your roster have that skill set. And I, I, you know, I think uh, the ones that have a number of different, you know, qualities. And so I think to have somebody that's, you know, sent over the boards to be able to settle scores, it's too much roster spot, I think, for a team. So I I think game is point, less need for an individual player that can just jump over the boards, play one shift, and, 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 look after his teammates. I think that, um, I think as, as I just answered in the last question about, um, you, you know, collective uh, abilities rather than individual talent, I think, I think teams that have sort of a quote unquote team toughness are also the more dangerous team to, to deal with. So when you have players that just divvy up, who needs to take care of um, things that happen during a game? Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, yeah, so thank you so much. Okay, Josh, um, thank you. Thank you for listening to our show. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter by searching up The Blue Line Report with Jack Bailey. Thank you so much. Download our podcast, uh, stream, tell your friends about it. And uh, thank you so much for watching. Have a great day. Bye.